Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. God is good, isn't He? With singing like this, it makes my job easier. For if the sermon is boring, then you won't forget the song. Amen? We just want to give God thanks. I want to just take this opportunity to thank our pastor for affording me the privilege to stand before you this morning. I want you to know that I am just one of God's humble servants. Amen? I love the Lord and I love souls. And any opportunity that we can get to trample the devil underfoot, we should do it. Amen? This morning, we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. So I'm going to ask you to bottle up and get your Bible in hand because we're going to praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. Our sermon title topic this morning is Do the Right Thing. If I'm a little bit too loud, blame it on Brother Campbell. Amen? Do the right thing. I'd like you to turn your Bible with me to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 1. Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 1. Let us pray, Heavenly Father. Your written word is now placed on the podium to become your spoken words. Pray that you will speak to me one more time as we lift up your name, as we glorify you in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. The Bible said, run he to and fro through the street of Jerusalem. See now and know and seek in her open places if you can find a man. If there is any who execute judgment, who seek the truth, and I will pardon her. The world and down through the ages had complained that adult males are plentiful, but men are few. That, that masculine human beings are in abundance, but, but, but men are rare. That, that machoism is a growing phenomenon, but men are dying breed. Some women would say there are no men in the church while there are male in every pews. Some women, when looking for a man, they would look for somebody who they think is ambitious. A, a man who they call someone with a sharp mind. But I've read in the spirit of prophecy that, that, that she said that what the world needs today is not so much men with sharp mind, but men with converted hearts. 
for it was sharp mind who gave us the Tower of Babel and the city of Babylon. It was sharp mind who created the idea of worshiping golden images, gods of metal, gods of wood, gods of stone fashioned by our own hands. It was sharp mind who created the story of evolution, a man from monkey, man from fish to discredit God's created power. Those same sharp minds created the atomic bombs and the ability to destroy all life here on earth. Today, countries are developing nuclear weapons. We are living in a time where war has taken the place of worship. We are living in a time where crime has taken the place of Christ. We are living in a time where greed gone wild and poverty lingered on our street. Drugs control the inner city and alcohol is used as water. The devil has been busy trying to doubt, to get mankind to doubt the God of Abraham, to doubt the God of Isaac, and to doubt the God of Jacob. Telling them that they need more rock music. Telling them that they need more pop music. Telling them that they need more drop music. Men have perfected their ways of how to sin. Men have perfected their way of doing more ungodly stuff. So what the world need is not so much men with sharp mind, but men with converted hearts. So God asked Jeremiah in the book of Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 1. He said, run he to and fro through the street of Jerusalem. Seek now and search in her broad place. If you can find a man. God has been merciful to mankind. God has been good to mankind. The Lord has been patient with mankind. Yes, our God has been long-suffering to his people, especially his people, his chosen people, Israel, who continued to sin and God would forgive them. They would chase after other God, yet God would forgive them. They would they would worship the sun God and God would forgive them. They would go after golden calf, mixing themselves with the world so much that we could not even tell the difference. But God would still be a forgiving God. You see, you will find some of their members in the nightclub. I hope we don't have this here at Saving Grace. We will find some in the theater. They, they, they were running from God and God would be chasing after them. The children would be running away, chasing after everything that the world called fun just to avoid God. Running from God like we do today. And finally, when they would not listen, when, when they were determined to go their own way, God needed somebody to go and warn Israel that if you soon don't turn back, if you soon don't give up your selfish way, if you don't straighten up or break up your folly ground, you will, you, you will be made, if you don't follow my commandment, my precepts, you will be made slaves for 70 long years. You will suffer 
the consequences of your disobedience. My dear friend, I stopped by here to tell us today that everybody one day will have to suffer the consequences of their disobedience. Doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much education you acquire or how famous you have become. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, a pastor, or a professor, whether you're a mayor or a governor, whether you are a rich man or a poor man, a beggar man, thief, everybody will one day have to suffer the consequence of their disobedience. So God asked Jeremiah the same question he asked Abraham concerning Sodom and Gomorrah when he said to him that the sins of this people have come up before me and I must destroy them from the face of the earth for they are stubborn, for they are wicked, for they are stiff-necked. Around, all around, they were brave in their sins. They were brave while worshiping idols. They were brave while backbiting. They were brave while gossiping. I hope we don't have this here today. The people were indulging in idolatry, adultery, homosexuality, whoremongers, saying just to name a few. Then Abraham said to God in the book of Genesis chapter 18 and verse 23, 22, 23 to 33, he said, surely, my God, you wouldn't destroy the righteous with the wicked. Far be it from you to do this, to slay the righteous with the wicked. So, 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 so the wicked should be as the righteous. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Suppose there were 50 righteous in the city. Would you spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous souls? God said, Abraham, go ahead. And if you can find 50 righteous souls, I will not destroy this city for 50 righteous souls. Abraham answered and said, indeed, now I am just dust. And I am take, I'm ashes, having taken it upon myself to speak. What if I go to find 50 righteous souls and I came up Five short, Lord. Would you spare the city for the sake of 45? God said, Abraham, find me 45 righteous souls, and I will not destroy this city for the sake of 45. Abraham said, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. What if there were 40, Lord? And what if there were 30, Lord? And what if there were 20? God said, Abraham, go ahead. And if you can find 20 righteous souls, I will spare the city for the sake of 20 righteous souls. Abraham realized what was going on. So he pleaded with God one more time. And he said, what if I look, Lord, and I could only find 10 righteous souls? Would you spare the city for the sake of 10 righteous souls? God said, Abraham, go ahead. If you can find 10 righteous souls, I will not destroy this city for the sake of 10 righteous souls. My friend, I want to let you know that Abraham, Lot, and God himself searched through Sodom and could not find ten righteous souls. Two million people perish 
Because God couldn't find 10. So before he sentenced Israel to slavery, as he did Sodom and Gomorrah to death, in Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 1, he said, Run he to and fro to the street of Jerusalem. See now and know and seek in her open places. If you can find a man, one man, if there is any who execute judgment, who seek the truth, and I will pardon her. Notice the text said they were to run through Jerusalem. You see, Jerusalem was the religious city of the world. Huh? Jerusalem was a holy city. You know, Jerusalem was a spiritual city. You see, Jerusalem was this historical city. This was a special city. And you could find anything you want in Jerusalem. This city was protected with 700,000 soldiers. There were 800,000 women, 1 million children, 2.5 million people. God said to Jeremiah, find me one man who will do right. And you will not have to go to captivity. Notice God didn't say find 50. Nor 40. Nor, 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 nor 30. Notice God didn't ask for 20. Or, or even 10. God said find me one man. And you will not have to go to captivity. Somehow. God knew what he meant when he said a man. You see. They knew what God meant when he said a man. But words have changed and evolved over the year. That's why, and down through the ages, that's why today we don't know what God meant when he said a man. You see, English is a liar. It continues to change. Words that mean wanting then meant something else today. It continues to change. That's why the front part of Brother Campbell's car used to be called a hood. But hood means something different today. The, 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 the metal bowl that Sister Gray used to cook in used to be called a pot. But, but pot means something different today. Our, the green stuff outside that we walked on and we cut it and we trampled on it, it used to be called grass. But grass means something different today. Words have changed our definitions, are all messed up. We don't know what love is anymore. We don't know what a home is anymore. We don't know what a friend, what friends are anymore. Our definitions are all messed up. We don't even know what a homosexual is anymore. We call them a gay. They're just happy people. We think love is what we see in the daytime drama. It's about movie. We think it's about hugging and kissing. We think it's about drinking and bed hopping. We think it's about fornicating and having a good time. But that's not love. That's lust. For love is a high and holy principle built on the character of God himself. We don't know what a home is anymore. We think a home is about bricks and drywall. And we think it's about marble countertop and granite. 
We think it's about tile, wooden floor, and paved driveway. We think it's about stained glass and spiral stairs, and even cathedral ceiling and fireplace. Some have built movie room and three cars garage, but that's not a home, that's a house. A home is people living together and loving together and praying together and studying together in an environment where God can dwell. That could be a tree house, a, a studio, a cardboard box. If God is there, that's the home. We don't know what a friend is anymore. We think that's the one that we play with. We think that's the one that we drink with or the one that we go shopping with. We think a friend is one who we talk to on the phone. We think that's the one that we, yes, gossip with and the one that we borrow from. But that's not a friend. A real friend is one who you can trust. One who will be there for you in the midst of a storm. One who you can call on when you're lonely and discouraged. One who you can lean on when you're down and out in the midst of a crisis. One that you can count on when you're frustrated and feel like giving up. That sounds like one and one only. Emmanuel, wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace. You have but one friend and his name is Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our grief and all our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So God said, let me stop by here and explain to them what I meant when I said a man. Notice that God does not define as man do. You see, when I looked up the word man in Webster's Dictionary, it said man is an adult human male showing quality, strength, and courage that are traditionally supposed to be manly. Whatever that means. God said a man is one who will execute judgment. The Hebrew word for execute is asa, which means to do. And, and, and the Hebrew word for judgment is mispah, which means justice or right. What is a man? He said asa, to do, mispah, right. What is a man? To do right. A man in God's sight is anybody, male, female, who will do the right thing. When, when God looks for a man, he's not looking for an adult male with strength. When God looks for a man, he's not looking for, for, for a muscular human being. When God looks for a man, he's not looking for somebody who possesses a PhDs are, are, are millionaire in their bank account. When God looks for a man, he's not looking for the big, strong, tall, and dark, and handsome. When God looks for a man, he's looking for anybody, male, female, who will do the right thing. Amen. 
You see, God is not concerned with our preferences. We sometimes find some people who think, or should I say, some of us masculine human beings, who think that female should not define, should not be defined in God's order of a man. Church getting quiet. We sometimes find that important tasks are left undone. Hello? Because of masculine ways of thinking. Therefore, machoism got in the way. But the Bible said when God looked for a man, he is looking for anybody. Male, female, masculine human being, feminine human being who will do the right thing. God is about redemption. God is about salvation. He wants us to do right. We are to love him and worship him and praise him and glorify him. We are to keep his commandment and walk in his statue and tell others about a God who saves. He said, if my people refuse to serve me, he will raise up the wooden stone to do it. Come on now. One day he allowed a donkey to preach to a man, a prophet. God is looking for a man. What is a man? Anybody, male, female, who will do the right thing. In the Bible, we read about men who did the right thing under difficult circumstances. We read about Moses, Joshua, Joseph, Samuel, Esther, Ruth, David, Elijah, three Hebrew boys. But today we're going to focus our attention on one of those characters whose name is Joseph. Joseph was the son of Jacob's old age. He was his father's favorite child. He loved him so much that he made him a coat of many colors. Something that the other children didn't get. While the other boy, brothers would be in the field to look after their cattle, Joseph would get to stay home. You know, siblings do watch each other, huh? Who is doing the dishes? Who is mopping the floor? Who is sweeping the yard? Joseph was special and therefore gets special treatment. He would dream dreams, a future event, and would tell it to his brother that made them hate him. Even once they realized that he was their father's favorite child, they hated him even more. And now this hated child had a dream. And that they were in the field binding sheaves. And all around my sheaf, your sheaves, your sheaves stood up and bowed to my sheaf. That made them angry. Again, he went to sleep, and on his bed, he dreamt 
yet another dream. And this time he saw the sun, moon, and 11 stars bowing down to him. Now they were furious. The Bible said that his father rebuked him, but kept the matter in his mind. So one day his father sent him to look for his brother, for they were in the field looking after their flock. And when they saw him coming, they conspired to get rid of him. He was then sold to some traveler bound in, to Egypt, where he was later sold to the captain of the guard named Potiphar. I'm getting somewhere. Genesis chapter 40 and verse 2. The Bible said that God was with Joseph. In, 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 in life we will go through many trials. But the most comforting thing of all is to know that God is with us. Amen. For when Jesus is in the vessel. We can smile at the storm. Joseph was a man of absolute trust. The entire wealth and household of Potiphar was left in Joseph's hand. Potiphar didn't know what he had except the bread that he ate. Joseph also was a handsome man in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that Potiphar went on a long trip and left Joseph as overseers of his property. And Potiphar's wife cast her eyes on Joseph. In, in, in another version, it said she lusted after Joseph. And, and jo because Joseph was a handsome fellow. Legend had it that, that while they were together in the home, Potiphar's wife, Mrs. Potiphar, let's call her that, throw a party one night. And she invited 40 women to her party. And so she promised them a great gift if any one of them could peel an orange with continuous and broken strong. And so it was that these 40 women were given 40 oranges and 40 knives. And as they were peeling, focusing on the prize, she went out and she brought Josephine. And 40 women cut their hands, distracted by his beauty, by his, by, by his form. She said, I have to have this young preacher. I, I, I need to have something to do with this young preacher. He was so stunning that Mrs. Potiphar could not help herself. You see, Mrs. Potiphar herself was a beautiful woman. It's easy to run from an ugly woman with rotten teeth to trin and cross eye. But, 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 but Mrs. Potiphar was a beautiful woman. Her hair was shiny like raven's feather. Come on now. Her eyes were, 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 were like black sapphire. Her lips were like two pieces of tropical, tropical melon. Her teeth were white as freshly dropped snow. She was a beauty to behold. When she walked, it was like rhythm and motion, perfectly balanced in her steps. When she speaks, words fell from her lips like falling from shaken lilies. 
she was perfect. Like they said today, from top to bottom. Now Joseph tried to concentrate on his job washing window. But there she was, dressed in seductive clothing. He grabbed the lawnmower and he went outside and tried to cut the lawn. But there she was, lying on the lawn in beach clothing. Temptation everywhere. The temptation was so great. The spirit of prophecy said that the angel looked at the scene with anxiety. They were nervous that Joseph would sleep with that woman. Joseph needed to know that God was with him. Proverbs 1 verse 10. The Bible said, my son, if sinners entice you, consent do not. And that's where we can start. James 4 and verse 7, the Bible said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Satan have no power. Absolutely no power over a man who have the courage and the willingness to say no and to hold on to God. Such a man when hold on to God even in his weakest Stages of his life. He is safe. Joseph was able to do right. Because he had a relationship with God. When Mrs. Potiphar begged him day by day to lay with her. He was able to say how can I do this great wickedness. And to sin against my God. Joseph championed the cause and won the battle. All because he had a relationship with God. Many people today try to do right, but they can't. I have come across so much people who fall at their best effort to do right. David have, David have to say, Lord, send out your light and let them guide me. Because you can't do right until you have a relationship with Christ. You can't do right until you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You say the secret is relationship, a relationship with Jesus Christ. The secret is to, to godliness is Jesus Christ. The secret to holiness is Jesus Christ. The secret to good behavior is Jesus Christ. The secret to good health is not your nutritionist. It's Jesus Christ. The secret to good relationship is not your counselor. It is Jesus Christ. The secret to accountability is Jesus Christ. Yes, I'm talking about this same Jesus who is my mountain mover. Jesus he is my bread when I'm hungry. Jesus, he is my water when I'm thirsty. Jesus, he is my rest when I'm tired. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is victory in the name of Jesus. There is deliverance in the name of Jesus. I just stop by here to tell you that there is redemption in the name of Jesus. There is salvation in the name of Jesus. You know, he is the greatest man in history. This Jesus 
Even though he had no servant, they call him master. He had no degree, yet they call him teacher. He had no medicine, yet they call him healer. He had no army, yet he conquered kings, fear him. He, he, he didn't go to war, yet he conquered the world. He will teach you to do right. Because the secret to do right is Jesus Christ. Yes, I'm talking about that same Jesus. That same Jesus. Who nestled himself in the placenta of a teenage pageant. 15 year old girl who don't even know whether to call him master or savior. Divinity entered the world in the face of a billy goat. He left his throne glory to dwell in the midst of a, of a people who hated him, who accused him, who didn't understand his plan. One day his parents were traveling to Jerusalem and he got lost in the temple, in the synagogue, where the rabbis and the rulers and the teachers, they questioned him as they talked with him. They were amazed at his knowledge and wisdom. They offered him a scholarship that they should take credit for his education. I, as I look through my mind eyes, I could see Jesus there standing in the midst of these counselors and these teachers and these rulers. As they asked him, they said, little boy, what is your name? Who are you? Where did you come from? How old are you? Who taught you so well? I could see Jesus as he stand there, he said, okay, well, on, on, on my mother's side, my name is Jesus. But on my father's side, my name is Emmanuel, wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace. On my mother's side, I'm only 12 years old. But on my father's side, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I have no beginning. I have no end. On my mother's side, I'm in the sixth grade. But on my father's side, I have seven to the ten PhD. On my mother's side, I can hardly run faster than a full-grown sheep. But on my father's side, I'm faster than the speed of thought. On my mother's side, I have to light a candle to put light in a darkened room. But on my father's side, I simply said, let there be light and there is light. On my mother's side, on my mother's side, On my mother's side, I, I, I can barely lift up a 10-pound dumbbell. But on my father's side, I hold the world in the palm of my hand. I'm God, and I'm God all by myself. Omnipotent, omniscience. And this mighty God right now is looking for a man. What is a man? Anybody. Male, female, who will do the right thing. I invite you to stand with me at this time. See, God has been merciful to us. Giving us so much chances in life. We have so much near misses. 
disease rocking our body, plagues on every side, gunmen on our streets, government messing up. But Jesus want to make a difference in your life. Today, he said, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. He wants you to be that man who will do the right thing. I'm not going to be long, but I'm extending the invitation to you today. After all that God has done for you, what will you do for him now? I'm asking you to accept him as your savior and friend. If you want to say, Elder, I want you to pray for me. That I'll do the right thing. I'm going to invite you to just step out of your seat where you are. And just come, let us pray together. Let us pray that Jesus will give us his strength to do that which is right. Is there one for him today? Is there one who want to say, preacher, pray for me so I can do right? Praise the Lord, my sister. Is there one more? Thank you, my sister. Praise the Lord. We all have been through so many. But through it all, we know that God is good. And he can make your wrongs right. Just turn it over to Jesus. Is there one more? As we pray. You have not yet been baptized. You have not accepted Jesus as your personal savior from sin. But today you want to do the right thing. And you want to ask him to help you to make that decision. To clear any blockage. Any stumbling block that might be in your way. Just step out of your seat where you are. And let us pray. With all heads bow. And all eyes closed. Heavenly Father. We thank you for being a good God. We have messed up so many times. But yet we see you keep chasing after us. Wanting us to do the right thing. We are weak in our own strength. But I'm, I'm thankful Lord. That you promise us strength. You've seen the hands and those who have come up front to do that which is right. I pray that you will bless each and every one. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will give them the desire of their hearts. Pray that you will help them to make that decision for you. To accept you before it's eternally too late. 
I know as we pray, there's still somebody here who need to say yes to Jesus. And while all heads are bowing, all eyes close. As the Holy Spirit go back and forth through these pews. I'm extending the call. I'm not going to ask you to leave your seat. But just raise your hand where you are. You want Jesus? Thank you. Just raise your hand. Is there one more? Is there one more? Is there one more who want to say, yes, Lord, yes. To your will and to your ways. Let the Spirit speak to me with my whole heart. I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Is there one more? Is there one more? Father, you've seen that hand. And we thank you for being patient with us. We thank you for loving us and we thank you for showing us the way. Help us to be true to you until the end. Keep us faithful until the end. Because you promised us a crown of life. Thank you for this wonderful moment that we spent with you. And bring us back this afternoon as we will worship you in songs and testimony. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email at podcast at savinggracesda.org. As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting savinggracesda.org.